Hi there, you're listening to Rune Landers. I'm Adam, your host and friendly neighborhood dungeon master. Now before we begin, a bit of a content warning. Rune Landers contains adult content, about as much as your average late evening premium cable series. Now this is things like rough language and frank descriptions of terrifying situations and adult topics such as sex work and drug use. We don't beat these topics over the head, and they're not in every episode, but they do exist as part of the setting, so we don't shy away from them when they come up either. Use your judgment. If that sort of thing isn't your cup of tea, this probably isn't the podcast for you. Now, dig, if you will, this fractured fable of a felonious fellowship's forays through the suave salons and sinister saloons of Byzantine Bailey Mina, the city of steel and steam. Thrilled to the adventures of this criminal cadre as they climb to notoriety and beyond. Will they remain merely outlaws, or will they become true villains? Well, I could tell you, but it's more fun if we show you. We're the Runelanders. This is Rapscallion, so get ready, Runetics, and let's roll. I took a black cat, a cave bat, and threw them in a pot, 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 pot. I took a blue snake, a green snake, and tied them in a knot, 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 knot. I took a hog chalk, a dog's paw, and hung them on the line, 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 line. I took a horse hair, a green pear, and made a crazy sign, 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 sign. I'm casting my spell on you. I'm casting my spell on you. I'm casting my spell on you. You'll never, never be untrue. All right, Diva. So, you have just left Zulgrove Wolves. And you are waiting in the lift on the way up. The lift goes up, you know, clatter, 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 ding. And the big doors open on the polished marble floors of the upper lobby of the city archives and administrative building. You walk out across it with the heels of your boots, click clacking across the floor, actually clomp clomping, I suppose, right? Clomp, clomp, clomp. Those great big boots you wear. There's a night watchman at the desk, and he's a gnomish fellow who wears a uniform with a shiny copper badge, such as security folk do in Bailey Mina, and where she's got her knees tightly clenched and is sitting kind of in a tank girl pose uh, beneath the glowing ga- orb of the gaslight on the steps of the civic building as Pate walks over and just off her left shoulder there's the big green moon Verluna at half uh, and the southern pole of the moon you can see that the green is starting to change color to the autumn foliage that it usually wears later on well very shortly evidently and the scene fades out for a second on Ziva's big purple eyes. And when it fades back in, those big purple eyes are closed. She's lying on her back in a rowboat, which drifts aimlessly across a algae-covered pond amidst cypresses out in the swamps to the south. She really loved just listening to the sound of water and all of the insects, the birds, and all of the things that move quietly in the dark. 
all the stars, little bits that you can see here and there through the trees. And yep, she's lying on her back, and when she lets, she opens her eyes up a crack, and again, they're the, those pretty purple eyes. And as we draw out from this tight focus on Ziva's face, we see that, you know, not only is she not wearing makeup at all, she's much, much younger, and her deep purple hair fills this rowboat, pretty much. It's, uh, it's just as expansive, but it's like this deep, vibrant purple color which uh, almost, almost glows in the dark. It's like that color you, uh, it, there's a light within it almost. And it's the color you see when you rub your eyes while they're closed. You know, that purple color? That's the light that Ziva's hair gives off. And she's lying there in her dress with her ankles crossed, trailing her fingers in the swamp water, the, uh, the algae covered water of a, pond through cypresses where her rowboat drifts quietly as the random currents of the bayou just drift her around it's meditative it's a thing she likes to do but you know perhaps she'd forgotten that it's not a good idea to trail your fingers in the water for long here because just, just a split second before it's too late, she tugs her hand back into the boat as an alligator snaps up to grab it. Oops. A second's hesitation and you'd have lost that hand. The boat bumps aside and is cast a bit adrift out of the current to come to rest against one of the cypresses. Ziva sits up, grabbing the uh, newly formed wand with the empty socket on the end, in which she's hoping to find an amethyst to fit. But, you know, there's not a lot of amethysts out here in the swamp. Purple is my... F it just has to be an amethyst. Purple is my favorite color. Matches your eyes and your hair. Speaking of, which, speaking of which, you know what they say about purple hair girls, right? So you're probably not going to keep the purple if you're going to go into business if you want people to take you seriously, right? What do they say about purple hair girls? Oh, well, purple hair girls have the most fun. Uh-huh. But it's true. We'll have to well, sort of tidy it up a little or conservativize it somewhat. So yeah, you pull your you pull your wand out and step and then like kind of brace yourself in the boat in case the uh, gator wants to press the suit. But the first flash of magic and the gators around here know what that means, right? Even if the best thing that you can do with it is make with this wand right now is make it light up, it's good enough to drive most of the critters around here because nobody wants to mess with Jamila or Kazakhstan. They have put the fear of themselves into this place, that's for sure. 
So you kind of settle back down in the bottom of the boat and uh, cross your legs just like they taught you and uh, whistle the trilling vibrato tune that calls the local water spirits to guide your boat along its meditative course. This is evidently some kind of geomancy. You have to glide through this pattern and keep the dragon lines that keep the swamp that keep the world that something 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 all kinds of plant lore really tiresome it's been so hard getting into plants well especially since it's so dark in this corner of the swamp right like the canopy here is heavy and uh you know the, the sunlight comes through all over the place but let's face it you see a lot of black and white it does get a little dull but plants do have some somewhat of a circulatory system but it's much more difficult to extract great deal smaller much well, more it's all exactly it's all about learning all about life like the amount of things you were learning about life when really you want to know like why death happens it just seems counterintuitive right but they you're like jamila especially puts you through your paces and she funnily enough is the uh she's the dro so she does like she's she's blindfolded when she takes you up over the uh, to the top of the canopy as often happens and you sit there and you know we're not going to flashback into a flashback but you know you pull into the <laughs> we're, we're going to cut there as she drifts back off through the uh through the forest and just within sight of the edge to where the where the canopy the forest this grove this cypress mangrove uh part of the swamp opens up to a bigger glade with taller grass and open sunshine and different birds and you know a lot more gators than here in the dark but you know that you never get quite close enough you've lost all the color in your skin you are a silver skinned girl now uh and you ha you're also weren't quite aware that you could do this scene in the dark thing before you got here. Bailey me and I was never entirely dark. There's always gets that, right? never really gets that dark and there was never this total darkness where you actually had time to adjust. Give your your eyes a chance to see. So as the boat goes drifting back towards their elevated swamp house, like it's a stilt house, it's, uh, if you've seen them, they do exist in the real world, but houses that are just built on stilts out in the swamp, you can boat right up to them and climb in through the floor. This was definitely a shock when she first arrived, but I think by this point she's used to it and kind of enjoys the the novel well, still I mean, it's still novel it, no matter how many times she does it it's still there's still that novelty of like she's doing it the first time 
right? And yeah, and uh, like they all like they they clean their water with magic and mechanisms here, and it's uh, it's amazing how much technology has gone into this house. In fact, there's a water filtration system, and obviously there's you know sewage so that things don't get you don't you're not drawing from the same source that you're shitting into. It's quite ingenious all around, and everything gets filtered and cleaned by the swamp. It's all very together with everything um it's amazing how harmoniously these two necromantrixes live with the swamp they have a good they have gardens that they plant up in the canopy for herbs and flowers and vegetables and things that would normally require lots of sunlight and soil um, they manage in raised beds that they support on top of the canopy your a lot of your herb lore and gardening skill has come from that and as well as a healthy you know respect for heights definitely was something she never liked in the city she never liked being up high but mostly because that was there was always such a sheer drop you look over the side of a building and it's basically basically just a straight drop down but when you're up in the canopy when there's all of these trees there's you see so much life on every layer and layers just the, and canopy flocks, it's flocks and flocks of birds here in the swamp like this wetland it is so alive Right, but there is so much danger here. There's poison and death lurks everywhere. The necrotic energy in this swamp, even as the positive energy of all the life around it, it is really quite breathtaking. You know, just the just the balance of life and death and the exchange in the swamp. It's amazing. There is no better place to study decomposition. And like, you know, now we flash forward to a couple of years later. That was the year that you cut all your hair off to wear it short. Like, um, oh, I've forgotten your, yeah, uh, Kazakh then. Um, Kaz for short. She, uh, she, she wears her, her hair skin tight, you know. Yeah. So you tried that for a while and uh, found it really awkward. You don't like having your ears uncovered. Even though they're both full-blooded elves, uh, their ears have no lobes and you have little tiny earlobes, which, you know, they remark on as cute, but it makes you feel like, you know, less than... Yeah. You know? And yes, She's you do have a... never really... She's never really, I, I, I think it's less, it's not so much that she feels less than, I think it's more that she just doesn't really know how to feel. Uh, because you. she has no, she has no, no cultural background. Uh, all, all she knows about the non-human side of herself is everything that she intuits out of her body and her experiences and her senses, but also what she can just sort of gather from what people tell her about what elves are supposed to be. So I think the opportunity to actually live with them was 
you know, very intriguing in the sense that she finally had a source for that aspect of her her culture or her supposed culture for sure actually you know what Ziva knows about elven culture she learned from a dro and a shatterkai exile who uh were hiding out in the swamp so their people did so their intolerance of their people didn't kill them so obviously her take on elven culture is going to be a little bit skewed, right? Oh, but she's also well aware of this. I think she knows that information is only good as its source. So, they, these are biased sources. Uh, well, <laughs> you have to take this with a, with a grain of salt, but yes. Jamila was a hard was the harder core of the two. Like she was the more hardcore fairy of the two. Um, Kaz really saw herself more as a creature of death than a creature of the Fae. But you know, they both agreed that it had a lot to do with both of them. Jamila, well, she'd grown up like a pretty unseely princess you know like the nobility of the the nobility of the rising dark those elves who'd given themselves um sorry those elves who'd given themselves to the resistance against the rising dark the uh the noble heroes who traveled and fought with loth the spider queen in antiquity but uh she fell in love with the enemy one of the death elves the uh Mind you, they're both like completely on the unseely side of things. Oh yeah, unseely and unseely, right? Let's let's get into all of this. So many questions, things rolling over and over, and, and <laughs> explain to you how how in very basic the seely are the the bright ones. They are life unchecked, and you know all of the chaos and infinite possibility of ever growing mutating continuing and breathing life as we've talked about before right but on the other side of the coin are the unseelie and they're about the horrible end of everything and that doesn't have to be a bad thing but it is pretty horrible because everything ends even the immortals everything must come to an end If only to begin again. That's the Drow perspective. Well, you died this time because you weren't quick enough to survive. Better luck next time. The Shatterkai just want everything to be dead. Once everything is dead, we will achieve perfect peace and order. Very interesting. Like the necromongers, if you're, if, like, you know, what, like the necromongers, right? Kill everybody and achieve the underverse. <laughs> I think that would make for some very interesting uh, uh, discussions after dinner and, a you know, with a glass of wine. Lots of, uh, lots of very intense <laughs> philosophical discussions at that point. Um, and, and Ziva being the bit of a pain in the ass that she is would also occasionally probably instigate uh, ones that she know would be 
would get them worked up because she would think it's funny. But at the same time, I think one of the most important things that she does pick up from them uh, is about that stupid phone is actually about really having that balance in your life um, that that but that balance of life and death and 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 darkness needs to be in every part of your life and so there's no reason why you can't love why you can't find someone that you would connect with and and be with there's somebody out there however there is the other thing that comes from them is that yes they found the love of their lives it was rare and they had a long time to do it and so do you Ziva don't worry you will figure it out you will find them but you mm -hmm. not, but there's one person maybe two a very few people in this world that you can trust and so you're going to need some armor unfortunately armor doesn't deal well with magic darling mm -mm. And that's when Kaz, who normally has this beautiful cultured voice that, you know, doesn't, you know, she sings beautifully in these, these beautiful low dirges, right? Well, she's out playing her harp and there's some of your favorite memories of her playing this beautiful slow dirges with uh, Jamila Car combing out her long white hair as the uh, sun goes down over the swamp and the whole chorus plays with it, right? It was just a, a beautiful bit of music. Not the sort of thing the average person would appreciate, but something they definitely did. Right. And, and, and it was a beautiful moment, right? Like, it really, just to see them together. But uh, every time they would go outside, they'd be these outrageous hags, darling. <laughs> Even though they were both quite slender and lovely and, you know, fuck who can tell how old elven women are, right? But less than a thousand anyway. Um, they, you know, whenever they were outside, they were, you know, fake warts and big, oh my goodness, darling, stay out of the swamp. It's full of hags. Yeah. There are hags in the swamp, but uh, Kaz and Jamila leave them the fuck alone. Oh, yeah, you really, because they are truly, oh, truly yeah. nasty. Yeah. We're going to have to talk about the time you didn't listen to them and went to go see the hags another time, but that's not for now. Nope. Pate's here, so you, slay, you shake it off, this reverie. Blow out a last hootie or clove and stand up and head off down the stairs, just flicking it off to the side where, you know, it kind of bounces off and vanishes into that limbo that smokers seem to think cigarette butts go to. Yeah. Somebody else will deal with it. And she'll, uh, she'll climb up in the, in the gig and give, uh, lean forward and just give Patty a little pat.
Pate does that uh, clickety-clack with its teeth because it can't waffle or snort or anything being not possessed of lungs. That's another upgrade you might want to put in so that Pate can make its noises. Mm -hmm. His noises, anyway. But you rattle off down the street, clippity-clop, 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 and that feeling isn't going away, right? Like, it would be, it, it would be like those times when... Uh, Jamila would let her hair out and uh, walk through the room wearing something silky, and suddenly it was important that you find three perfect purple irises from the canopy and uh, come I... back that you've had all seven. <laughs> Which I'm sure you suddenly she, she eventually learned what was going on there. Yeah, suddenly yeah. some S suddenly some, you, well, yeah, you understood it academically, but now. You get it. Really? Oh, oh well, okay. Oh, that's what's wrong with me. Ah, right. I better get some work done so this doesn't dwell. This is... I really don't know what to do with these kinds of feelings. Entirely biological, my goodness. Okay. Well, you know what? You know what's good for overcoming the biology, Ziva? is some good hard work. And frankly, you could use some help around the parlor. You know, I really could because I got that beautiful antique desk, but it is just so fucking heavy. I really, I can't, I can't carry it by myself. I'm going to have to find some help. I'm going to have to find something. I'm going to have to do something. I need to do something right now. Let's so you go. you take Pate across town and you go rattling by the Burley and Tuke Brewery and you can see that the lights are on in the tap room and you know you're looking through the windows and you see Mickey is slinging beer and you can hear people singing through the windows and you go through an arched uh go go through an arched passage or an arched intersection because uh, the city starts to build up towards a tower from here there's a waterfall that's falling on the uh, in behind the brewery and again into a spillway which goes out into the firth eventually but you go across one of the elevated streets and you know your gig just rattles off into the dark this part of town is called the styles and the styles used to be a garment district but um it was a garment and dyeing district and so the place is kind of toxic. There are filters on the various inflows and stuff and like that go or sorry, outflows that go into the firth because like a while ago the there there was a big to do. It was you read you remember reading about it when you were home visiting mum. Oh, by the way, mum, shit, her birthday's coming. File that away in the Rolodex. Mm. But you're like trotting down this, trotting down this street in the styles and thinking about this. And like the place just smells toxic. Nobody really lives here, right? And uh, like it's garments and dyeing. It's the dyeing, it's the like fabric dyeing, garment dyeing, you know, chemicals, None of it. Alchem mm. alchemy. And it's just everything. Canning. Is and, yeah, Nothing tanning. smells good. 
Right. A, exactly. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. But anybody who has to live in this part of town, and can't afford the rents is in a particularly bad way in Bailey Mina. Let's just put it that way. Um, sleeping outside here has unfortunate effects on someone's health. It was actually one of the things that Jamila made you study from, uh, well, from a recognized school when they would send you off to this academy for this course or that i mean like they didn't keep you alone in the swamp they would send you all over the world and stuff this is how you got to be an accredited funerist right this is how you and your mentresses built the madam ziva persona right this is yeah. how you're going to survive to see the end it, it's all working beautifully right uh even even nari being so accommodating lately has been pretty good now this thing with so wow things things are coming up ziva all around eh um maybe sure seems we like haven't it. i mean we are cautiously optimistic about life which is a very strange feeling to have yeah like you have been so not miserable lately this is what I think I feel like I really need to, I don't know, I guess this is why people like do dumb shit. But it's like, the, the other thing too is, is you knew it was going to be a long wait before you could see with your eyes what you've seen with your vision. You know what I mean? You know, you've known it was going to be a long wait, centuries maybe. You know, yeah, I'm gonna so have to keep myself busy, really. If I'm gonna have but, to wait that long, right. it might not be so bad to have somebody to hang out with. And it's funnily enough, since you got back and Nari's been around and these new people, well, it, it doesn't seem like such a chore to wait. Actually, it seems to be going by pretty quickly. I don't think I've ever really actually looked forward to a day in the future like this before. Huh. So you turn around the corner and you get pretty much where you were headed. And it's Robards. And he's an undertaker. It's really bargain basement undertaker. Hmm. He's a body collector is what he is. This guy is kind of gross. Yeah, but he's... Uh, oh, you've known him for probably 20 years? I mean, super useful. Like, you would come in and get parts for the zombies because let's face it not too many people happen by where you were out in the swamp 
So he's been an unpleasant necessity, this flashmonger, but, uh, you know, he doesn't really seem to want to bother with you or anything like that. You kind of trot up around the corner and there's, um, well, there appears to be a run on children in Bailey Mina this week. Everything from about a seven-year-old to a 13-year-old, none of them look very muscular. Uh, and then, off in the corner, there's this great big burly human with a hangman's scar and seven hands. Ooh, I... Yeah, the hands are sitting in the bottom of the box with him. Uh, he's still wearing his execution clothes. And uh, the back of one of his hands has the brand of a prisoner of the crown. A capital prisoner of the crown. Ooh, I need that one. So you go walking over and you pick the you pick up the hands because like let's face it they're a bitch to repair. So if it's clean if it's clean through the wrists you can do something with that. But let's not pay top price for it if you have to open the hands up and put them all the way back together, right? Oh god, putting together sewing up all of those tendons. I mean, if you want any kind of manual dexterity at all. Ugh, I hate it when they remove the hands. Focusing that mending. Focusing that little fucking mending. You know, that just pushing that in and it's you have to read it because I, I it, it's in your book, but, you know. Yeah, and like, just, I mean, you know, you think you get all of the major muscles in there, but then you get all these tiny little fascia, and if you get this thing right, then like the finger doesn't bend just so, and ugh. Yeah, definitely do not try to put the hands back on a cellist, like or a pianist. Can't do it. Oh, God, no. Like a, a lumberjack, sure, right? But anything, like a necrosurgeon loses a hand, career over. Oh, yeah. So, mm, what's he asking for this guy? These are great, big, strong, callous burner mittens these things these sandwich clamps these are a killer's hands right you can see they've had kind of like they've had manacles on them until the manacles were taken off recently to have them cut off this guy hmm. must have been a thief and a murderer career criminal type and like not bad looking either but uh like Really, that, that doesn't matter. You're going to sew his mouth shut anyway, so he doesn't need anybody. But, uh, you know, like the, that hangman scar, you could probably cover that up. And his next Oh, yeah. That's next, Whatever. Next are less tricky, right? Next are less tricky because you can pretty much mend that whole cord pretty easily. Well, then, you know, he doesn't really need to do any complicated head turns or anything like that so well, it's just keeping it on straight so it doesn't hang awkwardly right and it, and it appears natural the yeah that's whatever that's fine i can do that the semblance of life is is critical critical to undeath 
I am pretty confident in this project. I think she's she's sort of looking at it in the way that you would approach like a crafting project, uh, you know, construction. Uh, she's that's that's sort of how she's looking at it. Um, the, the the any any consideration of who this might have been as a person or what his life was like is all merely just sort of facts no, on the for sheet sure. for, for, in her for mind. Sure. It's just like you, it's good to know because occasionally these tendencies will stick with the flesh and it's a good thing to ward against. And like there are preparations that you can make that'll keep it docile, but uh, you have to know going in because you don't want to like, for instance, in Rosegrave, zombie preparation, like zombie construction, is a fine art form. And uh, if there was any market for it here in the South, you would probably still be doing it. You were really good at it, but it's that northern winter, right? You just fuck. It's it's cold. Just preserves them. Yeah, I mean, but it preserves the bodies so well. It just, uh, I just can't live there. I mean, I need to be able to feel my fingers in order to do my work. Yeah, and it sucks. All your friends are there too, right? Like, but they're all passed on, and you're not gonna be. You know that, right? There's the vision, but anyway, you get to go last. Your name starts with a Z. Of course, of course, you go last all the time. So you uh, go inside, and there's some haggling and all this and that. A few minutes later, the Flashmonger comes out, helps you get this this coffin off his porch and closed up, nailed shut, and, you know, kind of on the gig. And this is not going to work. The coffin, it's just not going to fit on the gig. You can't get it on there. It hangs off either side. Too awkward. It's awkward. You can't lash it down. You know, it looks like you're stealing a coffin. You know, you're gonna need, you're going to need a hearse. That's another thing. You're going to need to buy to buy a hearse uh, at some point. This gig is great for nipping around town, but stuff like this, no, you're going to need a proper hearse. Yeah, but well, I mean, this is impulse shopping, so fair enough. Have, a little bit of have retail, to deal with that. A little bit of retail therapy never hurt, right? Exactly. So, but uh, hmm. six six silver. It it costs six silver uh, because you went by the pound and really leaned into the damage to the forearms and how you're going to lose dexterity for that. Oh, and yeah, and he really hates it when I get into the anatomy discussions because oh, he just yeah. doesn't know all of really. those words and and like the the broken neck because that occasionally presents navigational problems yeah stab victims i'd play i'd pay six for but come on there's this one's damaged it's in pieces i gotta put the fucking thing back together you know <laughs> and then she would she would have started getting into the anatomical details and she does that on purpose because she knows the big words get really get to him so that finally, helps, he says, but no. finally he tells you to take it for four and gives you the papers 
and uh, has you put and has you put your ring on it because it is official, right? This is all legal, but it is just pretty mm-hmm. like really bottom of the barrel shit. Your profession prefers it for people to bring their corpses to you or tell you where to go get them. This dude just finds bodies or picks them up or claims them and uh, either sells them to anatomists and other unsavory people or, uh, you know, sells them back to their family. Really, whoever comes by with money first. And he doesn't really ask a lot of questions. And it's not illegal. I didn't kill them. Exactly. It had to, It cost me money to buy this corpse from the city. You know. Yeah. Well. <sighs> you know, there, if I can't get this in the box, he's going to have to come out of the box. Yep. So I mean, you get you get him out of the box, and he's uh, the riggers. The riggers left him a while ago, so like it was just the fact that he was leaning back and properly propped that kept him upright. So when you pick him up, there's like 220 pounds of dead weight, and between you and Schwager, you get him into the uh, gig and load him up, and then put his hands in his lap and he's kind of leaning over a bit looking all sick and twisted and dead it's obvious you have a dead man in the front of the gig with you there's no covering him now uh i mean the best i can do she just makes sure that the hands she's not going to lose those are tucked in uh and uh you know she she's got a bit of a an old blanket uh that she'll throw over his lap, kind of throw over most of him, uh, and maybe uh, uh, if there's a hood or anything on his clothing, try to pull it up over his head. Not a whole lot she can do, but... Okay. So you manage this, and you're clip-clopping back up the hill, and Pate's taking it a little bit slower. Um... He's hard. It's not like he has a battery, but he does have a working day. Yeah. Is it getting late for you, buddy? Well, he's pulling a little harder and kind of hauling the gig with the extra 200 and odd pounds up up this steep hill. And that's when these asshole gnomes come out into the street and point guns at you and say, stand and deliver. Um, no. And then we cut to Pate on fire, charging past the Burley and Took Brewery with his upholstery burning. And Ziva's Ziva fully driving, engaged in driving the gig, um, which is smoking while checking her mirrors with her, wand in her left hand kind of glancing over her shoulder the scene fades out from there and uh, fades back in to Ziva's garage at the parlor 
where the horse is inside the corpse she's just purchased is spread out on the preparatory table like on the slab he's draining and uh ziva's got all the upholstery and stuffing off of pate back to the shoulders she's uh fixing up some of the fi fixing up some of the wire that keeps the joints flexible and you know movable and now she's working on some wires to fill out his ears so that he can be able to flick those like he likes to you know and there's a soft wickering from the corner and you as you look over you can see with perfect clarity the uh, ghost of Pate is taking five over there, watching you repairing its skeleton. Oh, sweet pie. Little buddy. I'm so sorry what they did to you. I don't know why they're so awful to you. The best. You're my friend. I can't believe they hurt you. Go back there. I'm going to get all of them. Love of mine, someday you will die, but I'll be close behind. They'll follow you into the dark, no blinding light, or tunnels to gates of white. Just our hands clasped so tight, waiting for the hint of a spark. If heaven and hell decide, that they both are satisfied and illuminate the nose on their vacancy signs if there's no one beside you when your soul so magma yes you are uh, looking at your garden which has gotten very nice according to jihadis and uh like i mean it is it's it's really come together uh after you'd burned off all the old growth and mixed everything in and made the soil all rich right uh it actually it was nice to commune with the earth in not such a smothering way chances are she has picked up a couple of plants that are not fire-based or fire-related or fire-named. As a matter of fact, she will pick up some, either some deadly nightshade or some hemlock in honor of Ziva. She will pick up catnip or catmint for Stitchy. Um, oh, Stitch. oh, ne never, never make the mistake of thinking that the garden is solely yours. Oh no, she's she's probably planted a couple of things like in terms of herbs because she does have a herbalism kit. So she's probably planted things to be used. In fact, before, like you, you got all the gardens out front planted and, uh, and, and that's when Stitch let you in on the boxes that were on the roof. You know, eventually you find your way up there and, you know, yes, he's, he's got some plants up on the roof. There's a little square area with like raised beds in a, in a ham around it, just up top, slightly above the thicker, the thickest mists of Bailey Mina. Um, this is a tall house too. Like, I mean, standing up here behind the iron rail and the wooden hem of the boxes, you can see out over the lost acre 
which uh, today is a buzz with activity. And the sun has done a good job of burning most of the mist off. It's pushed it mainly back to the harbor. So, I mean, uh, things are pretty clear up here that at this particular juncture, when you come up to uh, get a little bit of hemlock for the front. And uh, you look out and you can just see it. It's, it's a buzz. The halflings, they work together like from up here. You hate to make the comparison, but they're, well, they're like a little army of rats. They all move together. They work as one. They're in and out of things. You, just, you can hear bashing and crashing and, you know, windows are open and there's big piles of garbage being dumped out into the, uh, the, the ring around the buildings in the center of the block. This place, now that you stand up here in one of its higher points and look out over it, um, with your trusty boots handily returned to you by Arabet, firmly on your feet. You can see, like, it, it's all different levels and a bunch of different styles, but there are lights coming on and windows, and you can see, like, those same windows opening up and a little halfling person on the inside wiping off the dust, you know? People are knocking the must out of the corners and sweeping the cobwebs off the beams. The place is... Rejuvenating. Starting with your garden. Awesome. Um, I mean, she makes it a point to talk to the halflings. I mean, anytime she comes across them, you know, being neighborly as it were. But yeah, like in terms of, you know, oh, where well, she's no, found he, things. So. Now, here's another thing, Mag Ms. Magma. We have to thank you for, like, I mean, you said you had a lot of space, but we weren't expecting this much. And with the ability to make all the modifications we wanted, thanks to you and Mr. Calderwell, let's just show you around. Now, you might have to crouch a bit because you're slightly taller than we're used to, but come on in and we'll show you. And, like, there's a guided tour of these these new halfling places. These uh, human quarters were cramped because they were, like, 10 feet square but 15 feet tall, right? Well, that's three floors for a halfling family noise right and like the one and two bedroom apartments those are like for big families uh, a bachelor can house a new family with like just a couple kids and like yeah it's close living but it's better than littleton and they spiffed it right up the place is well cared for and cleaned even though you know quite a few of these people like uh, like most of the rats you see in the building you're pretty sure aren't vermin, but residents. She, uh, yeah, she nods and says, I, I do like what you've done with the place. It's, uh, it looks, it looks lived in, which I think is what was necessary. Well, all thanks to you and yours, Miss Magma. We, uh, we appreciate the work. And, uh, as you can see, we're making the most of it. Um, by the way, this showed up for a Miss Zivar the other day. Uh, one of the lads signed for it. Um, came by courier. Now, she's not one of ours. We thought it was for uh, Zilla, but no, it's it's for uh, Miss Ziva. So, uh, is, is she a friend of yours, Miss Magma? Uh, she is indeed. As a matter of fact, why don't you give me the package and I'll take it on over to her? Well, it's an envelope, ma'am, but here.
And he hands you this black envelope. Oh, um, all right. She takes it, sort of, you know, looks at it from all angles and nods to the halfling and says, um, you know, I do thank you very kindly for looking into it for me. I'll make sure it gets to Mr. Z uh, to Miss uh, Mistress Ziva. Now, the notable thing about this was that, like, this dude's a tough little guy, right? He stands probably three and a half feet tall, goes 70 solid pounds. And, uh, I mean, it's uh, one of the ones who don't wear shoes, right? And, and kind of an old schooler. And, uh, you know, he's got, like, these thick pads on his feet, like most halflings do. And, you know, bigger, like, big, big hands and big eyes and a largish head, but, like, a solid build and graceful. Like, where the hell did that that was quick where did that envelope come from he's wearing a vest and a shirt and i guess it could have been in the vest but still it was so fluid one second he didn't have it the next second well he did those are reflexes that strike you as trainable she sort of narrows her eyes at at the at the halfling tell you what I have an idea I'd like to run by you a little later once I've delivered this to, to Miss Ziva but with your reflexes as they are wouldn't take you that long to make you a pretty solid fighter kind of more my style not like the you know the big ham hawks that you mostly find something with a little more grace and delicacy well, I've been boxing for a few years, but sure, I'll get in the ring with you and see if you could teach me a thing or two. Oh, I get the feeling you're probably going to have me ending up with my pants around my ankles, but <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. With all due respect, ma'am, you're a little tall for my taste for that. But let's not linger on those kind of thoughts and uh, move along. Um I'm glad you like it. Thanks again so much. If there's anything you need, the foreman's meeting is at Seven Bells out in the centre courtyard. We usually have coffee and bullshit till uh, about eight o'clock or so when the workmen get here and then we just start. All right. I, I find I'll be a little neighbourly, I think, a little more. Eventually, at some point in time, I think I need to... I have an idea. Anyways, uh, I'll let you go for now and I'll uh, go and deliver this letter. Thanks again for signing for it. Right, and it's uh, it's Elwood, by the way, ma'am. Just call me Maggie. Hello, Maggie. Bows and takes off with the letter. So you take the black envelope. Where do you go? Well, she remembers where Ziva's apartments are, so she'll head on down that way. All right. The... Uh there are still work crews there, but they're mainly doing like they're hanging a sign today. And when you get there, there's a fellow in uh, like a really decent suit. Like, you know, whether you're into dudes or not, this, my friend, is a sharp dressed man. He wears a well cut suit with gloves and high and knee high boots, which are polished to a high sheen. He wears the traditional hood and mask of a funerary servant found in such places as Exotic Rosegrave, far to the north. He's standing outside with his hands folded in the small of his back, 
watching the work crew hang the sign out front. Um, they're hanging the Z on Ziva. Um, it's a different size and font than the rest of the lettering. And it's uh, Madame Ziva's post-mortal parlor. She kind of stands outside for a little bit, kind of watching the goings-on and, you know, kind of nods appreciatively, thinking to herself that, yes, I do believe that adding the larger font and the Z is a little bit easier to draw the eye towards. Anyways, and she, you know, goes up to the, to the door to go and knock unless she's intercepted. Nope, you just walk by this dude and he don't seem to be watching you at all. Like, he don't even seem to notice you at all. <laughs> Yoink! She, uh, you know, opens up the door, closes it behind her, sort of knocks on, on the wood and goes, uh, Ms. Eva, are you about? Oh, hi. I wasn't expecting anybody. Um, how's it going? I'm not, like, properly dressed or whatever. Nope. In fact, this is the, the least dressed you've seen, Ziva. What are you wearing, Ziva? Wow, am I ever glad I didn't use my archivist voice for that. You'd all leave. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wearing, Ziva? Bye, all. <laughs> Um, I think she's wearing a, a kind of uh, baggy pants there and uh, she's wearing trousers I know um, and a, a top that looks they both kind of look like um, like medical scrubs almost um and all of her hair is wrapped up in a uh, very tight but very large bun on top of her head because she has so much of it. Uh, and she's taking off a, uh, a big, uh, heavy uh, apron and gloves as she comes out. She sort of puts them aside. Yeah, the, the rest of the room has uh, an autopsy table, which uh, is clean, completely clean, scrubbed, absolutely clean. There is a, uh, like a, a bucket there, which, however, shows that it recently has not been very clean at all, like a very gory looking bucket. There is on the uh, far, uh, in the far corner of the shop, there's just a little sewing table with a sewing machine from which dangles the half-finished pattern of a brocaded horse head-shaped upholstery. Um, there's also Pate, who's got several exposed spots where you can see that Ziva has installed fresh padding and uh, new rubber sinews to the skeleton to make its movements less jerky, more fluid, more like a real horse. It's an upgrade, and uh, unfortunately, it's also a skeletal horse that's got, that's like half taken apart 
you know, Pate is is wide open. There's recently been somebody on the autopsy table, and there's a half-formed horse head mask in the sewing machine. Go. Uh, I don't know if you've seen Pate like this. And... Oh, the bucket. Sorry. Let me get this out of the way. Magma kind of shrugs slightly and says, well, I've seen just about its equivalent while I was in the Ludus, so I'm not entirely worried about it. I mean, in regards to the bucket, that is. Uh, in terms of Pate, oh. no, I have not seen him to this extent. This is an interesting experience. Oh, um, here, let me show you. And she goes to, uh, you know, she kind of takes the, a bunch of the, um, the padding and, and upholstery off. She kind of, you know, there's a sort of a way to un undo it. So she sort of, um, undoes it and peels it back. Uh, and you can see it's in a, you know, beautifully cleaned, uh, bone, um, skeleton and his uh but there's there sort of rubber um ligaments and uh sort of fibrous connections between the two between the bones uh made out of rubber they're all kind of woven very carefully and neatly uh into the into the bone and in the depths of the eye, where the eye should be, is a deep purple glow. Um, and she pets his head very affectionately um, and, uh, and points out the... See, like, I had to put him back together and it took oh, me a yeah. really long time to find all the pieces and another bit of a gruesome detail but uh ziva you've had these for a while and you're just going to put them in today um had you not been surprised is uh like there's these new glass orbs that just fit his eyes perfectly and they're the really bright ones for when you're riding at night so like you just give them a, a little click with your heels and it just lights up the whole night. These things are bright as hell. And uh, you can see where you're going just fine, even without night vision. Yeah. So, like, you were just about to put these in and, like, really purple it up in here, right? Because you got purple eyes, well, he's got purple eyes, you've got purple headlights. Yeah, we got a match. But she's, you know, she starts pointing it out and she's... um she starts naming the specific uh, ligaments and, and, and bone names and everything. And then she stops and she turns to Magma and she sighs. She's like, yeah, okay. Sorry, you didn't come here to listen to me ramble about anatomy. I'm sorry. This is why people don't come to hang out with me. How are you? 
she kind of chuckles and says, it's important to you, darling. So I was more than content to let you ramble on about it. I am here for a specific purpose, mind you. And she whips out the, um, the black envelope and sort of holds it out to you and says, this, as a matter of fact, ended up at the other manor. Uh, one of the other halflings had oh. signed for it, uh, but I thought to bring it over to you. Oh my god, thank you! What is it? And she sort of flips it back and forth in her hands and reads it. There, there is from somewhere like, just like, it, it sounds like in the ne it's in the next room even though it occurs to you by the look of this place, it's fairly soundproof because, well, let's face it, it's a sorceress work chamber, right? Like, it's a, it's a magical work chamber. Things get loud in here. But uh, the place is soundproof, yet from some other room, you can hear a woman just screaming horribly in abject fucking awful terror. Her eyes go completely wide. Oh, wait, no, that, that's just Ethel. She stops does magma hear this too oh yeah <laughs> okay so magma's facial expression is of course one of neutrality it's not betraying any sort of emotion whatsoever it's more like a hmm her soldar and her hair and the heat that is coming off her currently is saying what the fuck was that? Uh, I'll go into the other room. That was Esther. Is that sorry? Is that the name you said? Ethel. Ethel. That was Ethel. Oh, well, I'm glad the what the fuck is an Ethel. Ethel uh, is one of Ziva's many living unseen servants. She's the urge ghost of a maid who was murdered horribly in the alleys of the styes. She's a very, very good cook and a hell of a cleanup lady. She doesn't complain, but every so often she lets out this blood-curdling shrieking for about half an hour. Good help is hard to find, and it's not hard to live with, especially since she's already dead, so you can't really do anything to her anyway. She like, she's like a ghost. She's like gets oh. upset sometimes because she's like murdered. So she just has these moments. It's kind of annoying. Like I really wish she would like scream about it. There's, you know, other ways of coping, but whatever. She like drank. It would be better. It's fire booze or something. I don't know. 
It's almost like you could do psychotherapy on them from beyond the grave. Yeah, maybe I should, like, try that. Ask her how she feels, get her to lay down on a chaise lounge. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but don't you have to have, like, what do they call that, bedside manner? I well, I suppose I that. that depends on who you ask, darling. I've met several chirurgeons that may or may not have bedside manner. It's almost like during their schooling, they take a class on how to be an asshole 101. Oh, my God. Like, everybody I went to school with, I swear, took that class. Like, there all is, of them. There is a momentary increase in volume of the screaming as the kitchen door opens up. And a tray of tea and biscuits floats out into the parlor where you're both standing right now. Like, and the, the volume modulates as the door swings open and closed. Thank you, Ethel. <laughs> Shrieking you, eventually dies out. You know, she like tries. At least she's trying. So what's, who's the letter from? I, I hate to be, I, I hate to be prying. I don't know. I'm super curious. And then she opens it. Okay. Oh, so you take this black envelope and you turn it over in your hands. Well, you take your gloves off and then you look at the envelope and you turn it over. Well, first off, Magma hands it to you, seal up. And the seal is of the archive. Aww. And when you turn it over in beautiful golden calligraphy, in the script of magic, it says, Dearest Ziva. Oh my god, this is so cute. So... You know, I, like, went to meet with Zool, right? Uh, what's a Zool? Uh, I'm sorry, that the I'm archive. not so familiar with. Oh, have you not been to the archive? I have not. Okay, so the archive is run by this guy named Zool Grubel. And... I, like, stopped in there with Nari to you know, look up some stuff, and we kind of talked a little bit, and then he, like, asked me to come back. So I did, and we had, I guess, like, it was sort of a, I don't know, kind of a date? Magma's like, blink, blink. Oh my god, you have to tell me the deets, darling. Come here. And she like <laughs> takes both her hands, sits her down, starts pouring tea and putting out the biscuits, and is like, what's the tea, sis? Come on. I want to hear the details. <laughs> she looks so confused. But then she's like, well, like, okay, so... I don't know if, like, that's how you're... I don't know how, like, dates are supposed to go or whatever. 
Um, because I only ever went on one, and it was a basically a joke. So he didn't get hands um, with you, did he? Oh no, 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 no! Like the first time, like the like a million years ago when I was young, I like went on one date with some guy and then he ditched me and then I found out that he only came, went on that date with me because some of the girls wanted more dirt on me and so they like made him go on the date with me but whatever but no like Zool is I don't know he's like he's super interesting and I mean he's like a big book nerd so we like talked about book nerd stuff a lot and he's like kind of weird like me so like I could talk to him about dead things and whatever and he I don't know he like gets it Well, so long as he doesn't get handsy with you, you make sure oh, no. that he, you know, no means no, as Jahira's his mom is <laughs> telling me, no means no. Oh, like, he's so, uh, he's like, kind of old-fashioned, really. So, he's like, super formal. But, which is like kind of nice because you know you don't like, like you don't want anybody who won't do anything without like asking you first, right? So he's like, yeah, he's super old-fashioned and really formal. So like, you know, nothing like bad happened at all. Like, and that's like, I'm not even worried. Seems as good a place as any to leave it to the ladies. This episode featured Ziva Hulu, played by Shireen the Mad Fishmonger, and Magma, played by Shauna Mulligan. You can find links to more about both of those ladies at our site, along with show notes, song lists, playlists, places to download world lore and ways to support the site, and RuneWise.Games. Additionally, you can get in touch with us on social media at CastTheRunes or via email at runelanders at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you and we read everything we get. So reach out, let us know what you thought, comment wherever you found the podcast. We'd love to hear from you and we'd love to hear ways that we can improve. All music used in this podcast is used under license through SoCan in the public domain or Creative Commons license. And this episode in particular opened with Casting My Spell by Johnny Otis. Now, coincidentally, it also featured Sweet Thang and Purple by Shuggy Otis. I'm sure they're no relation, yet uh, neat little coincidence there. We went on to feature a piece of I Need a Man by The Arrhythmics. 
I Will Follow You Into the Dark by Death Cab for Cutie, and we finished with Living Dead Girl, a Rob Zombie cover by Music Box Madness. Any questions, comments, concerns, complaints? Well, you know how to get a hold of us. Until next, you take care.